midlife. The Midwest. It's the middle class. The millennials. Baby boomers. West Coast. East Coast. The far right. The far left. What we need is some middle ground. Middle ground. Middle. Middle. Middle ground. Hello. Welcome. Hello, everybody. I'm Chris Otto. And I'm Chris Kelsch, and uh, you've joined us for uh, Middle Ground, a podcast for the people who are just in the middle of everything. Midwest, midlife, middle class. Prasado in Michigan, I'm in Chicago. <laughs> middle of the country, but... Yeah, actually, I'm uh, right now I'm sitting in a on a farm in Cass City, Michigan, at my parents' place. This is where they stay for the summer. They just arrived. I'm helping them sort of get settled in. So I ha- we have to hurry up and do this before my parents get home. <laughs> no one wants to be caught podcasting. When the parents walk in and you're podcasting, it's very, <laughs> very embarrassing. You may never recover from that again. What is going on in here? I'm sorry, Mom. I was podcasting. <laughs> Our son is podcasting. Oh, um, man. Great week. Uh, well, not a great week, but a sad week as uh, Chris and I uh, are kind of marking the passing of some of the icons of the 80s. Uh, we had another one go this week. Uh, you were a fan, I know. Because you were a Ronald Reagan fan, uh, how did you feel about Nancy Reagan? Uh, you know, it was a week of goodbyes, and uh, when I heard about Nancy Reagan's death on Sunday, the first thing I thought was the juxtaposition of the Reagan legacy against what is happening in the Republican Party today, this week, yep. with these candidates. And you know, I think we've talked about this even on the podcast before, but the class and the sophistication of the era in which Ronald Reagan was president is just gone. It's over. And, you know, whether you whether or not you agreed with Reagan, his policies or his politics, his ideology, if you were a Republican or Democrat, you respected the man. And he respected the American people. And he was a towering figure that, that made the presidency an office to really look up to for leadership and for dignity. He was the great communicator and his messaging was so simple but so but so powerful about it being morning in America and uh, people really connected with it. He really, really connected with people and he was pretty old. I mean, when he took office, he was what, almost going to be 70 years old when he took he that was, office. He was in his and, 70s, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and that part of it was incredible. But you're right. He, like every de- Republican, when they stand up at, at one of those silly debates or town halls, you talk about who do they admire. Everyone across the board, Ronald Reagan, Ronald Reagan, Ronald Reagan, this icon. We all want to be. But there's, you're right. They're so far from Ronald Reagan in their approaches and to the way they deal with people and to oh, their ability to to reach across the aisle because he really he ruled in an area in an era i should say where you know him he was uh, he was a great president tip o'neill was a great speaker of the house and the parties as different as they may have been knew at the end of the day you could still go out for cocktails get things done do business reach across the aisle it was a much friendlier tone back then well, you know, it's and that's the thing you mentioned Tip O'Neill, which is a really great point because Reagan, the Republican president, Tip O'Neill, the Democratic Speaker of the House, a powerful Speaker of the House, and a huge personality, they disagreed in a lot of ways on a lot of things, and they managed to work together for eight years and get things done and passed tax cut legislation and you know turned around the economy and bankrupted the Soviet Union in terms of the Cold War, right. ended the Cold War, worked with Mikhail Gorbachev. And, you know, everything that they did in terms of uh, Glasnost and, and the relations with Europe and the Soviet Union, it, really an incredible time, the 80s. Yeah. And, and yeah. it could have been, if you put 
the leaders of today, you know, the Speaker of the House and the President during Obama's presidency, I don't even know if they speak to each other. It, it is an unbelievably decisive way of governing and nothing gets done. Yeah. And, and Reagan had this great quote. And for as much as people aspire to be him today, no one really pays attention to the nuances of his leadership. And he had this great quote. It said, if I could get 70 percent of what I ask for from Congress, I know that I'm in pretty good shape. And no one thinks like that today. It's all or nothing. If you don't get what you want, all of yep. what you want, you're blowing the whole board up. And that is what's missing. And he understood compromise. He understood you had to ask for this, but maybe accept this. And that part is gone. That That is yep. what I don't see anymore. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really a stark contrast. I mean, politics in general, society in general has changed. I mean, social media yeah. and uh, the internet technology, everything has changed drastically. But the passing of, Na and you know, sp talk about Nancy specifically, uh, a lot of people, you know, make fun of Nancy. She had the astrology thing she consulted back then. But, but I'll tell you something, if I, for the rest of my life, if I could find someone who loves me the way that she loved Ronald Reagan, and and just looked at him when he gave a speech and she was standing, you know, usually in a red dress behind him, the way she would right. watch him and looked at him uh, in in the most loving, nurturing, caring way. Uh, who doesn't want somebody like that in their life? For right. And I years? hate to use the word because it, it was I, well, I think they got married in the 50s, but it was literally I hate to use the word cheesy, but it was that cheesy 1950s great American love story. And they stayed together for uh, half a century. And, yeah, well, it was, uh, a, it, was awesome. it was a it was a traditional marriage the way marriage was back then. So it's you know she lived a very long life. I know she was out of the public eye for the last few years of her life, so she must have been in very poor health. So um, uh, I'm sure it you know she's in a better place and and all that. But it's it's sad to see that era officially yeah. kind of come to an end. Some other interesting passing. Uh, of events this weekend as we say goodbye to not only Nancy Reagan, but in a different way, we say goodbye to Peyton Manning and oh, we man. say goodbye to Calvin Johnson. Um, I know you're from uh, Michigan, so I want to be sensitive about Calvin Johnson. Obviously, <laughs> a phenomenal talent, a phenomenal talent. But, and I saw this with Barry Sanders too, he was a phenomenal talent, but he didn't have the alpha mindset to go with it. He, he didn't like seek the spotlight and wasn't hungry, hungry, like really super driven for rings and things like that. No. He's kind of a quiet guy like that. He, he liked his privacy, never heard a lot about him, never heard a lot of endorsements. And he just reminded me a lot of Barry Sanders like that. He, you know, you're right. He it's, and it's odd that the lions had both of these guys because these are two of the greatest players in the history of the NFL, certainly among the greatest at their positions. Uh, Barry played for 10 years and would have gone on to break every record there was in terms of rushing the football. Uh, Calvin, if he, I think that's, he just finished his ninth year and he would have gone on to break every record in terms of catching the football. And, but both of them, very humble, modest guys. I mean, Barry Sanders, remember every touchdown he scored, he would immediately bounce back, back up and quietly hand the ball to the referee. Yeah. N never pumped his fist, never jumped up and down, never spiked the ball, never said a word. And Calvin was very much the gentleman and, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the good sport and, and the same way. And both of them, I think, got tired of the grind and the losing 
that being a Detroit Lion introduces to your life. Yeah, I think I, I, I think there's a lot of truth to that. I really think that it sucked it out of them. I mean, if they were hungry earlier in their careers and the culture and the constant losing and just no direction – that really, uh, that really did it. Although I, I like where the Lions have done now with hiring a Bob Quinn and really setting a different, you know, and getting rid of the old Ford guys, the old loyalty guys, and just yeah. setting that 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 franchise in a new direction. I might have stuck around to see how that played out, but um, I can see, I can see how it wears on you. I really can. It's not a not a shock. You know what? I, I think it's a. I mean. You know, setting the Lions fan in me aside and all that. And actually, to be fair, the Lions already replaced him this week. They signed Marvin Jones, the, the best free agent wide receiver out there from Cincinnati Bengals. So they've already got their number one receiver to go with Golden Tate. But uh, aside from all that and stepping back, I, I think Calvin Johnson specifically, he's he's such a smart, intelligent man. He's very articulate. He's a very quiet spoken, but very intelligent guy. I think all this concussion research and all the talk about the permanent damage that playing football does to you, I think that had an effect. Uh, and he's fought injuries for a couple of years now. And I think it says a lot about, I think, I think it, you know, after the concussion movie with, with Will Smith, there are a lot of signs going up saying the future of pro football is changing. Clearly the human body is not meant to be that big and it's not meant to move that fast and certainly collide with a, with other i mean the laws of physics are against you from the start and my only concern and i love football truly love the sport oh me too it, and i'm sure me everyone too. does the problem is it's so dangerous that you know if, you, if i if, if my kid came to me and wanted to play football i would just be like oh i don't know how about soccer? How yeah. about something? You know, I really, as much as I love the sport, I don't know that I want my kids playing it. And that's yeah. a sad thing, you know? Well, that's the larger issue. I know I don't have any research on this, but I, I've heard that the numbers of kids uh, participating in Little League or Pop Warner football at young ages is steadily declining. And because of that very reason, parents are just discouraging it. And, yeah. uh, and what's that going to do for the future of professional football when those kids are in their 20s and ready to, you know, at playing age or college age? Uh, it's it's bound to change the game. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens. But it's sad to see Calvin go and, and sad to see Peyton Manning, another class, class guy, step aside. It is. And he was really uh, – it's funny. As, for as much as it was Brady versus Manning all those years – he was really the singular guy that sold the league. If you look back at all those years, he was the guy that did all the commercials and yeah, got direct all the TV. endorsements, direct TV, you name it. He was front and center. He sold, not that the league needed a lot of selling. I mean, it's a great league, but he was the guy. Like he was the Michael Jordan for, you know, 2000 to 2015. He was the guy, you know, oh, yeah. an interesting thing. Yeah, for 20 years. What is it? 19 years, 20 years he's been playing? Uh, I, re I recall him coming aboard in 1998. So yeah, 20, almost 20 years. Well, he uh actually I just, just remembering this. So my son was born in 1996 and when he was born, we had two boy names picked out. One was Benjamin and the other was Peyton. And Peyton Manning, we didn't name him after Peyton, but I liked the name Peyton. Peyton had just won the Heisman Trophy with the University of Tennessee. So right. That was 96. Uh, we named him Benjamin just as a footnote to that story. We didn't name him Peyton, but it's amazing that now my son is 19 years old and Peyton Manning is just now retiring. That's crazy. That is crazy. All right. What else you got, man? Anything else going on? 
No Twitter dates this week? Uh, no, no dates. Uh, the women at work are starting to get more attractive to me, which is a good sign, I think. Um, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. Is this? Are, have you started taking a bottle of vodka to work, or what? Why are they getting more attractive? <laughs> that and uh, I'm just more open to it. You know what I mean? Like you've got to be kind of open. I mean, dating, as you and I both know, dating at work is hard. But uh, if you kind of remain a little bit more open to it and start looking at people in a little bit different way, you can see how it become it could become more feasible. So they're all asking me, hey, what are you doing this weekend? Blah, 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 this and that. And, and the thing is, it's, it's a big weekend in Chicago, you know, like St. Oh, yeah. weekend. Half this town is Irish, so tomorrow is a big parade. And it's a shit show. It's going to be parade at noon, street vomiting by 2 o'clock. I think that's actually a public event. Dying the river green, drinking, drinking. I think the bar is open at 8 o'clock. You mean by 8 o'clock, you could be at a bar somewhere face down and God knows what. So it's that kind of weekend in Chicago. And, and, and the weather breaks and the tournament is starting. And, you know, everyone's into basketball tournaments now. So it's just yep. that vibe the total vibe of the city changes it's a fascinating time of year it goes from hunker down winter to hey what's going on in about 24 hours and it's been in the 60s and 70s this week i, I walked home a couple days this week left the windows open it's just really it's just a fascinating vibe when it gets like well this. uh here in cast city i just want to share my plans with you so i'm here with my parents and they're both in their early 70s, and I think on St. Patrick's Day, we're going to wander around the yard and look for clovers. No parades in Cassidy. Well, that is going to be the parade. My dad's going to lead. My mom will be second, and I'll be behind <laughs> her, and we'll just look for four-leaf clovers. So. And you're going to have a bowl of Lucky Charms in the morning, so great. <laughs> Congratulations. That's a great way to, to yeah. bring it in. All right, let's, uh, let's get to our guest. I want to get right. to our guest. I have known this guy for a very long time. He's a consumer technology writer. Uh, and a freelance writer. He's written about technology and technology-related topics for 25 years. He currently has a blog on CNET.com where he is the cheapskate. It's a daily blog. He basically scours the web looking for deals on the latest in technology products and has thousands of, tens of thousands of followers and has saved them hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, he's written for Fortune, Money, Popular Science, Time, Wired, and a lot of other outlets. His latest project is really interesting. He's producing an escape room. Uh, it's located in downtown Detroit. I, I don't know if you've heard about these escape rooms, but this one has a twist. It's called Trapped in a Room with a Zombie. I want to welcome to Middle Ground my friend, Rick Broida. Hey, thanks, man. Thanks for doing this. First of all, I appreciate that. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Rick, for coming on board. Uh, you got a fascinating story about what you're doing in Detroit, and uh, we're anxious to uh, kind of learn a little bit more about that. Rick, I would, I'm, one of the things that uh, that that I think makes you a good guest on this this gig is uh, is your role as the cheapskate, and the fact Chris and I were actually talking about this. The fact that uh, you know, 30 years, 25 years after college, you're actually sustaining yourself as a writer working at home, doing whatever you want, doing your thing. And you've been doing that for a long time. No one is more surprised than I. <laughs> well, so when you left Michigan State in, you graduated in 1990, right? Just like us? Uh, 1990, yes. Yeah. So when you left, what were you looking to do? You know, as an English major, uh, with a BA in English, I was looking for anything I could do. You know, um, that's that's not the 
degree that you necessarily think, oh, I'm going to go out and uh, uh, make a million dollars. But I always knew that I wanted to, to be a writer. And I really honestly didn't have anything particular in mind except that I wanted to try to find some sort of writing job. And I didn't even really know what was out there. I guess if I was envisioning my dream job, it would have been to be some kind of a magazine editor. And uh, just had to kind of look around and, and see what there was. I can't believe you didn't end up in the automobile media, like the, the writers for car and yeah, driver. Yeah, that's a good point. I, but that, uh, that would have been good for you. Well, it yes and no, because I had very little interest in the auto industry. And you're right, there was... If, if I wanted to go and find uh, a technical writing job, uh, absolutely, that, that kind of thing was out there. But uh, I was just, I'm just not a, never been a car guy, and, and writing and, and reading that stuff just bores me to tears. So I was really looking for stuff that I could do that was technology-oriented, but like consumer technology, fun technology. You've been working freelance for all these years, but when you first started out, did you ever have a job working for a company or for somebody else? I did. In fact, my, my first uh, out-of-college job um, in my field uh, was for a company called Midwest Publishing. And um, they, the publishing part was kind of, um, <laughs> kind of secondary. Uh, this was the, these were the guys that would like call you up uh, at dinner and say that they were calling on behalf of the police whatever benevolent fund and try to uh, you know, do fundraising that way. And um, the publishing aspect of it was that they, for these organizations, they would publish a, a, a basically a magazine uh, for yeah. these cops, for these firemen. How did you, was it your frustration with that job that you decided to start writing your own stuff? Or where'd you go from there? Well, that was actually a, a pretty good jo- a gig for me. Uh, I, I was there for about a year and a half, as much as I, I loathed the whole uh, back you know, the back end of how that worked, you know, from there, it was I I had always done a little bit of freelancing along the way. And um, I was lucky enough to, because I was a computer nerd to be able to to write for, uh, you know, various computer magazines. And so I was always doing that a little bit on the side uh, here and there where I could get the work. And, um, uh, you know, as as the years went by, I was able to get more and more of that kind of work to the point where I didn't need to do anything else. Um, there was a great period of time for me in the, um, you know, mid and late nineties where there were a zillion computer magazines and they were all paying a buck a word and they all wanted thousand word reviews and I had more work than I could handle. And, uh, man, that was, (laughs) those were the days. Fast forward to now as cheapskate and some of the stuff you're doing now, it's how are you being paid? Is it by project? Is it flat fee? You're not being paid by the word anymore, are you? Oh, they don't pay me. (laughs) <laughs> no no writers don't get paid anymore but you know what you, you touched on a huge thing everyone's so hungry for content right that's all we ever hear content 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 and then no one wants to pay for it it's crazy whether it's decent or not they want content yeah that's very true. true that's why that's why we're doing this we're not even exactly about this is content we just want to get it up there and get it out the door right and everyone is getting what they paid for with this right <laughs> Ultimately, you're just looking for MailChimp to come in and say, hey, we want to give you guys some money. Yeah, exactly. But I, I, you, you got to be paying for your kid's college education somehow, and it's coming up soon. <laughs> it, it is coming up soon. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I've just been extremely fortunate. Uh, I mean, you want to talk about winning the, the, the job lottery. Uh, as a freelance writer who really can only write about technology, uh, I've just been very lucky to be able to uh, go from you know the writing for magazines, uh, which paid pretty well, to writing for blogs, uh, yeah. which paid terribly. Uh, it was just, I mean, bleh, it was terrible money. 
Um, mm-hmm. But then I kind of circled back and got in with CNET and some of the bigger um, publishers and have been able to, yeah, keep keep things going for a number of years now. It's like I said, it's just really a lot of luck. Well, in addition to that, though, in addition to being passionate about writing, which is one thing, then you've really got to be passionate about technology. Yeah, and that's exactly what I mean is that because I, I love, you know, I'm very geeky and I, I love all the tech stuff um, and just to be able to write about it and get paid to write about it uh, and even to have an, a, an, a following of sorts uh, on the cheapskate um, is amazing. Um, it's it's a winning the job lottery. What is the, your following on cheapskate? How many people read that column every day? I don't have exact numbers on it. I do get traffic reports from time to time, but but on any given day, there's probably twenty to thirty thousand people who who are you know checking out my post. Um, you know that that's a decent number, and yeah. there it's it's a pretty loyal following. In other words, I've had you know the same readers for a lot of years, which is just kind of amazing to me. Now, have you ever heard from some of the companies that send you products that they would love to have you mention on your blog? Have you ever heard of a spike in in the purchase of those products because of something that you wrote? Absolutely. And in fact, um, it's one of the more gratifying things about doing this is every once in a while, you know, I happen upon either a, a new product or something that's from a small company um, and I'll, I'll write about it. And um, very often it's without even the owner knowing that this is going to happen. And then all of a sudden they get this, this fairly substantial spike in sales. And um, I've just, I've gotten some, some notes from, uh, from owners who are just so grateful and uh, just said mm-hmm. like this, this may, I mean, we, we had more sales in the last two days than we've had in the last six months. Um, things like that. And it's just, it's really nice to be able to help out, uh, these little guy vendors, these small companies that, um, really don't have a platform, you know, to, to get attention for their products. Um, plus it's something cool for my readers. So it's really a win-win. Are the companies generally like, uh, and that's cool that you get to come across this stuff before everyone else does, but are they the classic Silicon Valley garage startups, guys living out of, you know, whatever, an apartment or somewhere that came up with the next killer app or something like that? Or are they companies from all around or have you seen a variance or how does... What have you, where do they come from? You know, there, there's a mixture. Uh, so Best Buy will reach out if they're, you know, having some big sale. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of well-known established companies that, uh, that'll reach out and say, hey, we want to run this promotion with you or, you know, we have this sale coming up or whatever. Um, and that's fine. And, and I don't feel like that's super exciting for me or, or for readers because that's the same stuff they can get anywhere. They don't have to, you know, uh, come to me for that. Um, but when I'm, what, what really excites me, I'll, I'll give you an example is, um, last year I came across this product called the Ninja Loop and the Ninja Loop is this little, it's, it's practically a piece of ribbon, um, that you loop around the back of your smartphone, um, your case it, and it, and it sticks to the inside of the case. So what you have on the backside is, is basically a loop that you can slide your fingers through. And so this enables you to, um, operate your phone one handed more easily because you know you have a big screen it's hard for your thumb to reach all the way and still you know while you're holding it in one hand oh yeah i have that problem yeah yeah exactly and it's just this it's this ingenious little thing that's like you know and it costs like six bucks you know it's it's cost nothing and i have like championed this product because i just think it's so cool and so simple and so cheap and i love it and um the vendor has just been overjoyed because um no one is writing about this thing but but i told readers about it and they 
you know, they bought it for stocking stuffers and... Um, I, I just can't. That's just great. Chris, I think we hit the mother load of free samples. Here. <laughs> Actually, uh, I think we'll Rick hits them. We'll get you our addresses after the show. But yeah. you know what the deal is. We're looking for some swag and we don't care if it's cheap. <laughs> but we're just looking for some good stuff. Oh, and, and let's uh, let's face it. As soon as this airs, Rick, you're going to get a spike in your readership. Believe me. So, you know. Yeah. No, my mom's already uh, yeah, reading we, it. We should have so. said this at the top, Rick. Chris and I are taste makers. Yeah. So, no, I have a question, though, about your your editorial integrity. Actually, two questions. Did you ever, would you ever come across something from somebody who invented or designed an app or a product or whatever where you thought, you know what, I'm going to, I'd like to invest in this and partner with you on that? That is a great question. And um, there have been a couple of instances where I've seen a new product uh, where I thought, God, I'd love to get a little piece of that. And um, what was her name? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Jeez. Oh, now I now I can't let my mom listen to this. Thanks a lot. <laughs> you were about to double your listenership. Okay, so so you talked about uh, ethics, and um, you yeah. know, I mean, I just I, I wouldn't write about a product uh, if I was you know part of the company, or certainly I wouldn't do it without full disclosure. Um, right. But there was something that I that I happened upon recently. Um, it was a product called Sound Scoops. And I don't know if you, you guys probably both own televisions and you probably are well aware that the sound quality coming out of those little tiny speakers is terrible, um, which is why most people will usually either get a sound bar or they'll just live with the crappy sound that comes out of TV speakers. So sound scoops are these little plastic things that basically stick onto the back of the TV. And if you can imagine like a, a literally a, a scoop that just directs the sound forward. It's the simplest thing, and it's like, you know, it's these two big black plastic pieces, but it makes a huge difference in the quality of the sound you get from your TV. And I'm like, this guy is going to make a zillion dollars. There's no question. I think this is going to be a huge product, and I did. I reached out to him, and I said, hey, you know, I, I know it was a Kickstarter project at the time, and mm -hmm. I said, if you don't get your funding, let me know because I'd really like to get involved with this. And he did get his funding, and he went and got other investors who were not me, but, um, you know, it was, it was something that I really thought had a lot of promise. And I, I would have loved to have been a part of something like that. So I'm picturing like those those funnels that you put on your dog when you don't want it to bite its own foot. Is that, <laughs> is that kind of what it looked like? Uh, picture half of one of those funnels. <laughs> oh, OK. So it was oh, so a scoop. It was literally sort of directing the sound out and up. Exactly. That... Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you think if you think of like a 90 degree angle, but curved, uh, right, that, right. that's all it was. But isn't that a little unsightly? Is it like like protruding out from your television set on on both sides? Well, I mean, yeah, it does kind of stick out from the from the bottom. Um, it doesn't look great, but you know, you figure for for the thirty or thirty five bucks that you're going to spend for this thing to to get um, a fairly sizable improvement in in sound volume and quality um, without another remote, without wires, without batteries, without any of that other crap. Um, I just think it was a no brainer uh, that anybody would want it and. Um, I missed out on that one. Wow, I've never heard of that. So, did you end up writing about it on your on your uh, your column? I did. I did. Yeah, I, I did a post about it. And you know what? Um, I I I got an earful. Uh, every, pe people people most of my readers thought it was dumb, and the rest thought that even at you know I had worked out a little bit of a discounted rate with the guy for I think it was like I don't know twenty nine bucks instead of thirty nine or something, and they thought that was insanely overpriced for what it was. 
Um, yeah. So, you know, my instinct might have been wrong in that. I don't know. But uh, readers are never shy about letting me know when I'm when I'm stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure. I, I'm, I'm kind of with Chris on that, though. I'm trying to visualize it. And I keep thinking of that old Thomas Edison uh, record player with the big unsightly horn, like you just described, like we're blaring out sound. Like it almost sounds like that a little bit, the way you describe it. Well, I mean, that's the net effect. Um, I, to, I, I don't know how to give you a paint a better visual for you, but I mean, it's, it's called sound scoops. And instead of an S at the yeah. end, it's a Z at the end. Uh, terrible name. Oh, uh, that's clever. Terrible that name. clever. Sound yeah. scoops. <laughs> you can look it up. <laughs> well, they, they connected with the urban demographic then with going with that spelling. So it probably did well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was what they were going no for. Doubt. They got it. They got it. What about being paid to do good reviews? You ever been offered? Uh, I, it's funny. People think that all the time. Um, mm -hmm. if you, if you're on CNET at all and you, you look in the comments for any post, not even just mine, uh, the, the accusations that, that CNET or that I take money in order to write, um, you know, something positive is rampant. And it makes me sad that people think that, um, the, the handful of times that that has happened have been from Chinese companies who are just looking to get their products covered and really just don't understand from a from a custom standpoint how the process works, have said, uh, you know, we'd like you to review this problem. We'll we'll pay you to to review it. And I don't really think that there's any you know uh, evil motive there. I just think that they just don't understand the way the process works. So um, never been really offered in the traditional sense, like you know, hey, here's here's a thousand bucks. Let's let's have a good review. Um, Never been offered and would certainly never accept. So what is the most controversial post you put out there and you just got slammed by readers? You know, the, the, the most frustrating thing that happens is I'll post something and then 10 minutes later it's sold out. Um, wow. Yeah, which, but that's which, pretty flattering. Which, <laughs> which leads to a lot of accusations of bait and switch, which absolutely yeah. drives me up the wall. Like, yeah. like we, yeah, we planned this all out just to, just to screw with you guys. You can swear. You, know? you can say fuck. Go ahead. You can say fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's a podcast. This isn't radio. Yeah. <laughs> Still holding out hope my mom's going to listen. Um, <laughs> so there's, you know, when that kind of thing happens, um, you know, it's it's frustrating, and there's no, I have no control over it. But you know, by and large, the the people who are regular readers are are actually very kind, and I've I've gotten some really nice notes, you know, from people who just say, you know, God, you you saved me a lot of money over the years. I just wanted to say thanks and and stuff like wow. that. So. I actually have been very lucky in that I don't have the typical 50% um, troll rate that I think any other blogger probably has. Um, it's a pretty nice group. What's the, what's the best deal you can remember putting out there that people went nuts for? One of the ones that sticks out for me is, is a game called Portal. Uh, I don't know if that rings a bell. No, I'm not a gamer, but... Absolutely one of the all-time great PC games. And it was free. Uh, they were giving it away free for, I think, just a day. And uh, I remember, you know, typically when we're when we do headlines, we're told not to use any kind of punctuation. And I just I wrote this headline, which which was portal is free exclamation point and then repeat, <laughs> you know, and I was like, I, I don't care. Portal is free. I was so excited. Did they publish it that way? They did. Yeah. CNET is is very has been very uh, nice in that they, they give me a lot of autonomy. Uh, they just they really leave me alone. Uh, I pick the I pick the topic. I write it. I publish it. 
they come and edit it after the fact. Uh, they don't require me to submit it to them for edit ahead of time, um, just because of the timeliness of what I do. So they, they mostly leave me alone, and I am so grateful because I hate people looking over my shoulder. <laughs> so is that, well, that's got to be one of the best parts of your job is you don't really have anyone to answer to on a daily basis or who's telling you what to do. But is CNET, is that cheapskate column or blog on CNET, what percentage of your income does that represent? Um, well, so for CNET, I do cheapskate, and I also write for their uh, how-to and, and smartphone sections. So, um, I, you know, between those two, it's probably, I don't know, close to 40 or 50%. Um, you know, I've been at this for a long time with them. And the rest of it is just freelance stuff and then, you know, the, the escape room stuff that I'm doing now. Are you out there on a daily or weekly basis sort of beating the bushes for small freelance projects to fill in, you know, the other 40, 50 percent of your your income that you need? Again, I, I hate to sound like a broken record here in that I've just I've just been so like ridiculously lucky at this um, <laughs> that I don't <laughs> I don't really have to do that. Um, there was a time where I was hustling after work, but. Um, you know, I just I have some really good relationships with with a, a few editors here and there, and um, uh, you know a lot of times they come to me and say, "Do you want to write this feature or this review or whatever?" And if I have the time, I, I do it. And if I don't, um, it, nothing nothing pains me more than having to turn down work. But you know, I, I'm learn not to bite off more than I can chew. I have to ask this: There's a lot of people who don't like working at home. A lot of people who need the social interaction or the routine of going to the office, talking around the water cooler, having the cup of coffee and going through that bullshit every single day. You obviously live a totally different lifestyle in terms of your work, uh, which which I think obviously you love and a lot of people would love that. What sucks about that for you? <laughs> Seriously, well, I mean, I, you know, obviously there are a lot of great things. I think we could name the best things about working at home and being your own boss, but there got to be things that, that suck about it, too. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's it's the grass is always greener, right? So there there are days where I just go absolutely stir crazy, uh, you know, without anyone to talk to. And, um, you know, there's distractions, you know, the TV's there, the the porn's there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there goes mom. Damn it. Do you have kids? Are you I know you're married. You have kids. I, I do. Uh, my daughter's in uh, high school. My uh, son is in middle school. You know, so it's it's a much easier time of it now, um, even when they're home from school, like tomorrow's a snow day, for example. Uh, it's not like I'm going to have to worry about what to do with them while I work. They're they're take care of themselves. I do want to get to the uh, the zombies. Um, and Chris, I know you were really, really interested in this. How did you get into this thing? How I got into it was um, my daughter and I had actually uh, taken a trip to uh, Chicago, uh, just a, a you know weekend thing. And we were looking for stuff to do. And, you know, we had seen a bunch of the museums and so on and so forth. And so I went on TripAdvisor, as one does. The third most popular, like, fun and game activity was this thing called Trapped in a Room with a Zombie. And I'm like, what the hell is this? And I mentioned it to her. And I said, does this sound interesting to you at all? She said, yeah, that sounds really cool. Uh, she was bringing a friend of hers along. So it was going to be th uh, three of us. And we went and did this thing, and I just came out grinning from ear to ear. Could not stop talking about it. Could not stop thinking about it. And I just thought, God, I, you know, I wonder if they're planning to do this in Michigan. Um, and reached out to the guy who who had started it, and um, he was in about ten cities at that point, and said, you know, if you ever want to bring this to Detroit, um, I would love to be involved. And Literally five months later, we opened in downtown Detroit. Where in downtown Detroit is it? 
Uh, we are right in the heart of downtown. It's in the uh, Penobscot building, uh, which is just right in the smack of it. And um, it's a great location. It's it's argue. I mean, people, people still think Detroit is, is fairly unsafe, but uh, we are uh, in what is arguably the safest area of the city. So we're going to convince people the city is safe so they can go and be trapped in a room with a zombie. <laughs> right. oh my God. It's safe right until you walk in the door. For people who don't understand, and maybe we're talking in shorthand here, explain the concept of it. Uh, trapped is is what's uh, better known as, a, as an escape room. Um, and so the way it works is that you are locked in a room uh, with a group of friends, might be coworkers, might be date night, might be a family outing, um, might be with people that you, some people you don't know. But you're locked in a room for uh, an hour. And within that room are various uh, clues and riddles and things that you need to uh, to find and to solve uh, in order to find the key that allows you to escape. Within the room is also a zombie uh, chained to the wall. And every five minutes, a buzzer goes off and the zombie gets an extra foot of chain. So if you have not found the key within 60 minutes, uh, the zombie will be able to reach everyone in the room and uh, have, a, have a lovely meal. And then it's, I'm just looking here on Yelp, it's five stars. On TripAdvisor, it's five stars. So this is hugely popular. We are killing it. Yeah, no pun intended. So are you opening up other locations? How are you going to grow? Yeah, so the way we're, <laughs> you know, um, we're, this is not the traditional escape room. Uh, the traditional escape room is basically that same premise, but without a zombie, and you're just kind of working against the clock. What, what I'm doing right now is opening up a second uh, escape room in that same location, uh, downtown Detroit, uh, in that same space, and it will be a more traditional escape room. So... We will not have a zombie. We'll be you'll be working against the clock, um, and it's this is kind of for people who th there are plenty of people who will not come see the show because they are terrified of zombies. Uh, no matter how much we reassure them that the <laughs> zombie is not legally allowed to eat them, uh, they just won't have any part of it. So that's the part um, I wanted to ask about. Is like I, I like solving riddles, and I'm all for uh, challenges and stuff like that, trying to find clues, you know, getting to the heart of things, but. Man, you put a clock on it and you put a zombie on it. There's so much pressure. Do people just wig out, I guess is my question. It's a great study of human behavior. I've been the zombie in the show. More often, I'm, I'm the host of the show. So I'm in the room. I get, I get to you know see people, see what people are doing and, and how they're behaving and what they're saying. Um, it is fascinating. And to your point, yes, when you have that, um, not only the clock, ticking down, but the adrenaline of something that is trying to get you, uh, even though you know it's not real, uh, even though there's a chain uh, that is preventing the zombie from getting you, your mind is just racing. And it's this, I mean, it's literally an hour of adrenaline as you're trying to avoid the zombie and, and figure out this puzzle and people are screaming and it is a wild time. And how long, once the zombie bites you, how long till the virus takes hold? What do you have, like 28 <laughs> minutes? Uh, you know, that is a trade secret that you're going to have to come see the show if you want to find that out. Come see the show, folks, and figure out how long it takes. How long does it last? Is it an hour, two-hour experience? No, it's, a, it, it, well, I mean, all told, you know, it's about 90 minutes because, you you know, you get there and we, the host goes through the, the introductory spiel, and um, then the show itself takes about an hour, and then there's, um, there's a wrap-up at the end where the host uh, does kind of an evaluation and um, just while we're shamelessly plugging here, I will mention that, that that evaluation is actually part of what makes us so popular as a team building uh, experience. So we, we have a ton of groups come in uh, from like Quicken and Blue Cross Blue Shield and all sorts of companies because 
uh, escape rooms are a great team building exercise. And the way we do it with the evaluation at the end is just kind of like uh, icing on the cake. What is the mental state of a, someone who comes out of there? Uh, they, uh, are they just excited and exhilarated that they, uh, they went through the experience, uh, really happy with themselves that they solved it? Or they got to be flying high coming out of that, feeling really good about themselves, yeah? Yeah, it's it's exactly that. People come out smiling and laughing and exhilarated ex- exactly the, the way that I did uh, when I first saw the show. And, um, you know, I, it, I'll tell you, it's it's a business like any other. Uh, I mean, it's work and it's there's it, it's a con it's a nonstop pain in the butt. Uh, there's always things breaking. I'm dealing with actors who are college students and who are not always the most responsible people in the world. Um, it is one hassle after another. But when I go down and I host the show and I see how people react and how they come out afterwards, it's just, it reminds me of why I wanted to get into it in the first place because I, people love it. They just come out and they are so happy and it's just, there's, there's nothing like that. It's amazing to me. Where's this thing going to go? Are you looking to grow it and expand into other big cities or open up locations in the Detroit area or are you pretty happy where it is? It's, it's, a, good, it's a great question um, and I ask myself that almost daily. Escape rooms are exploding uh, across the country and I know guys who are opening up locations that have five, six different uh, rooms, different different escape experiences in that one location. Um, they're, they are charging full steam into this as a, as a business. And you know what? If they can bring the people in and sell the tickets and whatever, then damn, you know, they're going to make some money. No question. Um, for me, this was something that I wanted to do because I have one skill. I can write about technology. <laughs> and that's it. And I just like I was really getting to that midlife crisis point where it's like, is this just what I'm going to do for, for until until the end? Is this it? Yeah. And so my whole impetus behind doing this was just wanting to try something else and see if I could do something else. And now I'm at the point where we're a year in. It's going well. It's you know we're making a few bucks. Um, yeah. What what do I want to do? Do I want to come out to you know the suburbs and and open four more and see how that does? Um, and I, I, I wrestle with it. I, I really don't know because, um, I, I'm not, I'm not the big business tycoon type of guy where I think I can manage something like that. And so without maybe a partner to do this with Chris, uh, I don't really know. I honestly don't <laughs> Chris know what is, I would, Chris is. Yeah, right. We're both available and I'm, I'm, I have that promoter gene in me. I've got the Donald Trump in me, right? <laughs> but you're, you're geographically undesirable. I know. We got yeah. zombies in Detroit. We got zombies in Denver. We're opening, uh, we're opening in LA in the spring. We've got zombies in San Francisco. Everybody, everybody loves zombies. You do have, you do have wow. Donald Trump in you like every other Russian model who came to New York. <laughs> The interesting thing about this, though, is you can either think of yourself in the business of opening up trapped in a room with a zombie places and venues or figure out a way to sort of capitalize on that entertainment production skill that you're developing and really grow into other areas. Is that something you thought about? Yeah, I I have. And, um, you know, the guy that started all this, um, uh, his name is Marty Parker. He's... um, you know, he's always looking for what's next. You know, he realizes this has a, a kind of a, a shelf life, and um, he's already kind of moving on to, to some other things. And he, he's very big into the team building corporate aspect of it. Yes. And I think that he really realizes that that's where there's more serious money to be made. Um, and so, yeah, I start thinking like, well, gosh, how, how can I now offer 
more team building options for you know companies that have groups of 50 100 people that want to do something yeah. how can i make this mobile and take it to them you know instead of them having to come to us um yeah there's a lot of possibilities no no question yeah that does seem like a uh, an option chris you might even know about this second city just in the last couple of years has taken the theories and the the uh, skill of improv and turn that into a corporate team building event. That yeah, that that thing is huge. It's called Second City Works. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, taken off. Yeah, I absolutely hate this question when I've gotten asked it in job interviews or wherever. But ten years from now, we're in our late fifties. What are you doing? You're still writing. Are you doing these shows? What do you think you'll be doing? I I am terrible at that question. I never ask myself that question. I never think, well, in two years I should be doing this, and in five years I'll be doing that. I n- I've never asked myself that once. I think we all had a vision when we came out of college at 22, 23 years old of what we thought our plan was and what we were going to do. And granted, 10 years later, probably none of those plans came to fruition and we went a totally different path because that's how life is. But for me, it's a little bit scary to look 10 years ahead because is there even going to be a need for the kind of thing that I like to do or 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 the only thing I'm good at doing. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh. I was I was looking for the very obvious joke about the only thing that you're good at doing. But um... well, yeah, but no one will pay me for that. <laughs> I have to say that you know you said earlier you don't know anything about business or you don't know anything know about any theatrical productions or whatever. But you got to give yourself a lot of credit for for doing what you've done all these years, and now you're sort of doing it again. You, I mean, you've got a true entrepreneurial spirit that you may not know what you're doing, but you're going to go out and try it. And that's that's half the battle right there, right? Well, yeah. And it's been a lot of uh, leap before you look uh, with <laughs> with these things that I've done. But um, luckily, it's they've worked out. Um, you know, I wanted to mention, too, and I, I, don't, I know you guys are both <laughs> single. I don't want this to sound like rude or anything, but... Um, hey, 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 easy. A, a lot of it is, is having a, a, a supportive spouse um, because both of these ideas that I had uh, hatched, the first starting the magazine and then the second one with Trapped, if I had to come home to Shauna and I said, hey, you know, I was thinking about this and, and does this sound cool? You know, she could have very easily and probably wisely said, that is a terrible idea. It's going to cost us money. Um, you know, you don't have any experience. I mean, she could have brought a lot of negativity to it and probably talked me out of it. And it was just the opposite. Um, she was like, oh, that sounds so great. You're going to be great at it. And just um, the, that kind of support made all the difference. Like, you know, well, yeah. if she's behind me, then I'm going for it, you know. Uh, so I've been very lucky in that respect. So, and, and where do you get one of those? <laughs> and do you, and do you have to spend ten thousand hours with them? <laughs> Actually, maybe that's why your your marriage is so successful. You haven't spent the ten thousand hours. Maybe that's the problem. I, I I try to stay out of Shauna's way as much as possible, and I'm sure she appreciates that. Oh yeah. I want to thank you for coming on here, man. Thanks, I know Rick. it's uh... oh, it's my pleasure, guys. Uh, anytime you want me to come on and talk about myself, you just say the word. So it's www.cnet.com/slash cheapskate. Yes, sir. And then the Trapped in a Room with a Zombie can be found at www.escapeplansmichigan.com. Thanks again, Rick. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll close it out. And have a good week, everybody. Thanks, guys. So long. Thank you, guys. That's right.